0: on this week's episode of the wealth collective podcast we tackle the topic of investing for children we take a look at what strategy you should use what types of investments you should be looking at and most importantly what structure is going to be the best for you overall enjoy
1: Everything we talk about on today's podcast is general advice only because we don't know your individual personal situation. Before you act on anything we've spoken about, you should chat to your financial advisor and if you don't have one, feel free to reach out to us. Now, on to today's show.
0: Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of the Wealth Collective Podcast. I'm Zach Masters and today I'm joined as always by Pete Pennycott from Picard.
1: Hi Pete, how are you going? Feeling good, feeling fresh. Uh, lots of sunshine in Melbourne, so um Life is good, uh, lots of donuts. we will not have to put up the
0: borders and stop uh, interstate people coming to Victoria now, I think so. What do we get today at Baker's Dozen? So I think it was 13 in a row today, we're down yeah. to like three active cases or something like that. Booyah. All right. So good times ahead. So what are we talking about today? Uh, well, on today's podcast, we're going to be talking about something where I guess out of the two of us, you're the subject matter expert. So we're talking about children and uh, in particular, we're talking about investing for children. Good. So is this something you've set up for your kids? So do you want to run through so you You got a t- couple of young ones for those listeners that don't know. Ah, yeah. So I got, I get a couple of kids and you yeah, know, pretty
1: early on the piece, I think it's very important to set some money aside uh, for them. And I think the benefit of doing it early uh, is you don't have to put as much away. So you let the magic of compound interest or the heavy lifting cause life is expensive uh, when you've got young kids and, um, what of these hidden expenses that you've never even thought of so the or uh, well, grocery bills about 300% more than it used to be so
0: <laughs> so when we're looking at investing for children uh what do you think uh, are important things for new parents to think about when they're looking to invest
1: uh i guess what's the end game like what are you what are you investing for so what are you trying to put away money towards because that's going to dictate a lot of the you know, the starting point. So, you know, like get a, once you work out what that end game is, you can then sort of figure out, all right, what do we need to do from a starting point? So uh, can I afford to lock it away for, you know, five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years and beyond? that'll help you answer some decisions at the start to go, what sort of assets should I consider? What sort of tax structures should I consider? Um, And what's going to be the best fit for me? Because it is a personal thing. It's not a matter of it's a one size fits all. So family A, family B and family C all have exactly the same strategy. That's, you know, throw that out of the window. Mm -hmm. Um, You do need to consider your personal situation because um, yeah,
0: everyone's unique, which is good. Now, uh, whenever um, we look at these types of things, uh, do you subscribe to the theory that you should have a separate investment aside for children? Or um, like one of the things I like to talk about when I'm talking to clients about this is that they need to make themselves as financially successful as possible um, before potentially going down this path. Which way do you look at it?
1: I would agree with that. Yeah. Was, yeah. If everything's falling around, you know, you're not going to be able to support that investment anyway. So you might come calling on it. So I think fundamentally, it's sort of like when you're in an airplane, Hopefully we're not sort of nose diving, but you know those are the air masks drop down. Put you know put yours on first because that so then you can help others. So probably a little bit like that. So you do need to make sure you're putting in place you know good financial habits so you are budgeting for this, and I think that's the key. Budget for it should be something you're setting aside of money for, and the sooner you start, the less you have to put away. Same you know concept with super. You know all those little bits that you're getting you know when you're I don't know fourteen and nine months and getting your 20 bucks a a week in your super fund all that compounds and it does sort of wonderful things over many decades and that's what we're looking at for kids because if you're investing when they're in their you know infancy or in primary school you've got you know best part of a decade to let sort of the um the wonders of those investments just sort of keep compounding
0: yeah definitely now when people are looking so say they've decided to go ahead with setting up an investment um for children one of the big things i think that people should be looking at really closely is what structure do you hold the investment in? So this is always important. It's one we touch on quite a lot. Um, But I think when you're investing for children over the long time horizon that you have, um, the right structure can make a big difference. So what are the main structures that are available to people out there when they're looking to invest for children?
1: Uh, Basically, you've got all the structures that are available to you normally. Um, The trick's going to be which one's are the most appropriate. So um, yeah, you could invest in your personal name. Um, that might be advantageous depending on what your tax situation is. Um, also, having a look at things like: do you do a joint investment versus individually? Um, how old are you? Like, there might be some old parents out there that are looking to do investments. You know, we're not—you know—we're we, not making any assumptions grandparents, here. Grandparents potentially. Yeah, so it might be superannuation, might be the best vehicle and hive off part of the account there because that'll be the best tax structure. Investment bonds, um, are, you know, are taxed. Uh, corporate tax rates. So if you're both high marginal tax uh, rate earners, so um, that might be something to consider as well. Um, And how much administration do you want to do? Do you want to pass on the asset or will you plan to redeem it yourself? All these sort of things you need to plan ahead um, and consider because capital gains tax, income tax are all highly relevant when you're talking about investments.
0: Yeah, and now I might touch we might go into a little bit more detail about investment bonds because these have kind of become more and more popular in the last
1: well, I see you're, you're doing a lot of this work so talk to me about why are they so good are they
0: cool again because
1: these used to be like the the thing back in the sort of uh, 80s well
0: when I when I last first up um, being an advisor not, five years ago on it was in the ago, well, <laughs> back in the 80s um yeah back, like five years ago and I've never even heard of them up until probably you know three years Okay, they start to become more and more popular. Now you're seeing more and more product providers come into the market and start using them. Um, so essentially what they are is, as you said before, they're taxed at the company tax rates, so taxed internally. So it can be really good for um, potentially if, you, if it's two parents starting an investment for a child that are both on higher marginal tax rates, um, they can become really good. They're also like the big benefit of them is they can become tax-free from a capital gains perspective if they've been held for over 10 years. Yeah. And that Uh, goes
1: by really quickly.
0: Yeah. 10 years flies by. I mean, thinking, um, especially if you're starting the investment for the child when they're really young, um, you're going to be holding it for 10 years. So there are some rules around that. So you can only have 125% um, in terms of the deposit each year of what you put in the previous year. So that's
1: a a good trap. You need to be really careful of that because I can reset it. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, there are a lot of plans. Like, and, you know, I've got a couple of these running uh, for our kids. And, yeah, there's direct debits. So you don't have to think of everything. You know, the the companies are pretty good at sending an update and go, hey, here's what you can contribute this year. Do you want to do it? You get a lot of reminders. So um, don't feel like it uh, should be too overwhelming. You yeah, know, you're going to get a lot of nudges and sort of um, a lot of assistance along the way.
0: Yeah, and I think, like, I even hear stories about people – setting these up and using them is uh, depends which way you look at it but a lot of some people even going oh instead of buying the kids an extra toy or something they don't need this year like here's the BPay details for the investment account
1: that's how my right. kids are we haven't even got a toy in the whole house it's just <laughs> all they've got is investment bond statements. so that's it yeah play with this enjoy Remy <laughs> he's very creative though he sort of turns it into wonderful things
0: <laughs> Um but yeah, that's like, it depends on, some people are uncomfortable with oh, doing that's that. That's a joke, obviously. I don't want social services in my house. So. <laughs> Coming around and seeing Remy just sitting there with a bunch of statements in his room. <laughs> uh, but like, that's that's a way that people can start to, to look at it as though uh, more and more people are getting more comfortable with the idea of going, oh, this is a gift that, you know, potentially you chuck in $50 for a birthday or something like that. It's going to mean a hell of a lot once it's compounded in 10 years time. Are, um, these
1: any, are these the same as Australian Scholarships Group and these sort of specialised um, education funds? The same same thing because that's probably the most common one that we see advertised um, or sort of you know, if you're searching anything on the internet relating to school fees, generally the Australian Scholarships Group, whoever's doing their SEO and um, digital marketing spend, very, good. very good at following me around the internet. So uh, <laughs> thanks for that.
0: Yeah, it's not the same as those. So those are specialised funds which you use to... Um, pay for education expenses, as you said, they're a hell of a lot less flexible in terms of what you can use the funds for. So that's a reason why I do like the investment bonds. Is there's no caveat on what you can use those funds for in ten years time. So well, you might not even give it to the kids. Yeah, you can, it's literally yeah exactly. You might
1: so. you might have a childhood prodigy that's making more of the money than you at the time.
0: Um, that's what, well, also people go like, oh, I put it in place to pay for education costs in ten years time. Ten years time. You might have got promotions and everything like that. And you go, I can fund education costs quite easily. And you go, oh, you know what? I'll keep holding on to this. And it becomes a first home deposit or a first car or all those different types of things. Like you don't have the restriction on it. Whereas the Australian Scholarships Group um, has quite a lot of restrictions on it. And from a fee perspective, uh, it's quite high in comparison to a lot of the normal investments um, type of thing. But investment bonds
1: also are not... Probably they're not as low a fee as what a traditional investment is either. So yeah, you, know, you are paying for a completely different tax structure. So
0: Yeah. So you've got to weigh up on how much tax are you going to save versus what are the extra investment costs that are going to be there? Because as as you said, it is a lot more or it is a it is more than if you're just going to invest in a normal managed fund, the traditional traditional way in your own name. Yeah. Um when you're looking to set up one of these investments for children, do you think it's a Set and forget, you just put a lump sum in at the start. Does the normal investing rules apply where you should be doing a regular savings plan? How do you look at it? Definitely,
1: like regular savings plan, I think, uh, I don't know, they're one of the free hits you get in finance where you go, if you do that and you're disciplined with it, you're giving yourself the highest possible chance of making money in the long term because you're smoothing out um, your entry points in the market you're being consistent as well. So it doesn't hurt as much. So, you know, it's like sort of putting in $25,000 a year into super if you're self-employed and you're mm-hmm. waiting till the end of the year to do it. That is a hell of a lot more difficult than doing it in bite-sized chunks throughout the year. Um, it just feels more impactful. Same money, same sort of time value. But I think with investments, there's something to be said about sort of averaging those in over long periods of time. Um, largely, you do want to be somewhat set and forget in the sense of you shouldn't be looking at this every day going, Oh, what's it doing? Or, Hey, do I want to switch investments? I think realistically you want to try and construct a portfolio and, you know, do you pick a diversified index fund or something that's going to be most likely to be a really good investment in 10 years time. So you can just not disturb and just keep adding to it. Um, Cause it shouldn't sort of take up too much of your headspace. That's the trick you when you're a, a got a young Family, uh, or you sort of, or we're talking about sort of children here. So if you've got yeah. a family, you've got other stuff to deal with. Um, from experience, you're busy. You know, there's other things on your mind. <laughs> Tinkering with your investment bond asset allocation is probably not top of the pops. Um, so I would say automate the regular savings plan if you can. Start with a an amount that you're not going to miss because you're getting a lot of unexpected expenses. You're finding your feet. It's a new household budget. Um, And give yourself a runway so you can keep taking up that 125% opportunity because that'll keep compounding quite quickly. Uh, And it can get away from you where it sort of becomes something that's not achievable uh, on an annual basis. So, yeah, don't feel like you've got to do all the heavy lifting in year one.
0: Yeah. Now, you spoke about diversified index funds in there. So um, what we've touched on the structure and... Um, Different things like that. But what we haven't probably spoken about is what the underlying investment should be. So it's important to classify that the investment bond is merely a tax structure and then you choose what the underlying investment is that the funds are going to be invested in. Um, Now, is it diversified index funds that you think works best for these types of things? Obviously, we're in a really what record a silly, low interest rate environment. What an
1: insane question. How can I possibly know what the most appropriate investment well, is? I Good haven't point. finished yet. So you can,
0: you can go, it depends at the end, um, <laughs> as you normally do. But we can, like a lot of people are going, you know, in the old, back in the day, well, when I was a kid, there were Dolomites accounts that should just, you know, you're getting chucked in savings accounts. And now those aren't really earning much interest, but you still hear about people just running bank accounts for kids. Yeah. Um, and things like that. What should people be thinking about? I won't tell you to pick the right investment, but what should wow. they be thinking about when they're trying to choose the right investment?
1: Well, it needs to be something that's more likely than not your confidence going to stand up for a decade. Um, and there can be really good asset managers um, who can do that. I think the difficulty is even the best active manager. Are they able to replicate that year in, year out over the course of a decade or more? Um, and I, there are some that really that do really well at it um, and uh, big shout out to them because it's a phenomenal effort, but the stats don't lie. Most active managers do not outperform the index and do not do it consistently when you sort of stretch it out of a long period of time. So that is a very small cohort of uh, investment managers. Um, you're more likely to have confidence that the index is going to exist in 10 years. And over periods of time, indexes have reset new highs over and over and over again, even with wars, with economic crises, with uh, presidents that sort of tweet a lot. All sorts of things like the market has uh, been resilient and sort of generated consistent returns. If you look at equities, Australian equities or global, both of them, the index, so just by investing in the index, so low cost, very highly diversified, all the biggest companies or literally the biggest companies in the world over double digits. So you know, you're know you talking about in excess of 10% compounded per annum. Yeah, do you need any more than that? Um, and the answer might be yes, but I still think that should be at least part of your thinking to go, that's something I know will exist just by virtue of providing capital markets um, exist. The indexes will also exist.
0: It also, I think I find from an emotional standpoint, um, a lot of people are fine if the index underperforms and they're in the index, but they're a lot more angry or agitated if they're in an active manager and that underperforms the index. Um, Yeah,
1: well, and full disclaimer, none of my kids are in the indexes, so no. (laughs) (laughs) Active managers, Remy's managing his own portfolio. You yeah, no, already. both of them. I look, I I fundamentally believe there's a place for active, good active managers, but also I do look at like I'm looking at these investments every day. It's like it's what I do for fun. Yeah. Um. So and it's a bit
0: different from like this is what you do for a job and you do it every day because you're passionate about it as well. Mm. Um, a lot of people don't want to have to be reviewing active no, managers sh- and, constantly. No, and you shouldn't.
1: Like, yeah, and that's it. Like at the end of the day, um, there will be an allocation to. passive index at some point just wasn't i didn't feel appropriate when i set these ones up so yeah interesting there because people always ask me what have i done and sort of why am i you know do i practice what i preach well yes i believe in indexing um but you know full disclosure um i sort of at the time of their births active there's good active managers available that were highly appropriate
0: and for the average punter out there does it matter how much you're putting in as to whether you go into like an index fund versus an active manager uh, not necessarily. I think like you want diversification across asset classes. I will be
1: strong on that. Like you don't just want to go one asset class because yeah. that's, again, you're t- making a uh, a targeted bet or sort of, uh, yeah, if you're sort of making a, a judgment call that that asset class is going to be good over long periods of time. And you've got extra volatility that goes along with that. If you diversified even with active managers, well you a lot of that return, Potentially in excess of eighty percent of it comes from getting the asset class uh, mix right, uh, and it's going to be something you're going to stomach. You want something you're not going to panic in a global pandemic or a uh, global financial crisis. One of these events, and go, oh, that's it. I'm going to switch it to cash. That's what that's what you're trying to guard against. So whatever vehicle will help you stay with your stick with a plan and stay invested, that's the investment structure for you.
0: Yeah, and I think that diversification is key because you often hear, to some people coming in going, oh, I've bought, or maybe not recently, but in the past, it's BHP in Rio or Telstra shares for um, young kids coming through. Um, you've got to be careful on the diversification side, don't we, to make sure we're getting... Um, the diversification across a lot of different asset classes. Oh, yeah.
1: You'll hear horror stories of people that bought Tulsa shares for kids five years ago or yeah. bank shares, you know, and kids don't want to speak to their parents anymore. <laughs> it's horrible. Like, you know, all you're trying to do is set money aside for them and, you know, that uh, just hasn't worked out. But those kids that are sitting on sort of Amazon or Google shares, you know, they might be a little bit happier. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> exactly.
0: Uh, well, I think that pretty much wraps us up for today's episode. But did you have one final tip to leave us with? when we're looking at investing for children?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the most important things you can do is have robust, open conversations about money as early as you can. Um, And the power of money, I think, um, because you do want to instill really, really good financial habits and you want to make it not taboo. You don't want it to be like a dirty thing that we sort of hide away. It should be something that's openly discussed at um, not every family dinner, but you know, it should be comfortable to have a chat about it because I think if you can get kids started early of sort of getting interested in investments and understanding um, just the sound fundamentals of, you know, spend less than what you earn and I don't know it sets you in really good stead and sort of we've had a lot of success with our clients and their children who have you know I think beaten the averages so they've got into properties earlier they've set up businesses earlier and they've funded a lot of this and they've got investment portfolios and they've you know um, feeling a lot more financially capable um, and confident in how they're sort of running their lives so and that's giving the their parents are really sort of peace of mind going oh wow okay that's one less thing i need to worry about um yeah, yeah they don't
0: teach this stuff in schools either
1: no nah, it's horrible um financial literacy like you know the fact that i got taught how to so uh sort of build a bookcase and um what else did i get oh cook oh cooking is probably useful pythagoras theorem or whatever oh no <laughs> math, math is important but anyway. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of things that are learned there. Probably there's some life skills that would probably save people a lot of headache and heartache uh, if they can get their finances in order um, or at least have the confidence of knowing what the basics you need to know and when you need to ask for help.
0: Yeah, very good. Well, I think that wraps us up for today's episode. So as always, if you've got any questions, email us at connectopicata.com.au. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. Cheers, Pete. Thank you. See you later.